0: Welcome to Buddhism for Beginners, a podcast on foundational Buddhist teachings and techniques to use in your everyday life. This podcast is a production of Kunzang Payol Choling, a Buddhist center in the Payo lineage of the Nyingma School of Tibetan Buddhism. For more teachings, meditations, and resources, you can visit our online virtual temple at tara.org. That's T-A-R-A aorg What is karma? Jetsama Akwin Lamo explains how the interdependence of cause and effect affects our lives. The Buddha spoke from the point of view of enlightenment. He had the profound wisdom of uh, the full awakening, the full realization of the, of the primordially empty nature. And at the same time, he also had the profound wisdom of understanding every kind of cause and effect relationship. All cause and effect in the past, all cause and effect in the present, and all cause and effect in the future. And so when he gave us these truths, he was able to speak from that perspective. We actually have a very superficial perspective. Our perspective really only begins at the time of our birth, and for most of us, we don't really begin to remember until we're three, four, and five years old. So all of the cause-and-effect relationships that we understand, we only understand from the point of our birth. Perhaps some of us were born with some sickness that continued throughout our lives. Or perhaps some of us were born with some uh, habitual tendencies or natural tendencies that have always been a part of us and we think, oh, we've just always been that way. We don't understand any other way besides this particular way that we have experienced we don't understand the cause and effect relationships that have preceded our birth but the Buddha spoke from the point of view of understanding every single cause and effect relationship his omniscience was complete he was able to view every single circumstance that resulted in the patterns and habitual tendencies that we are now fully engaged in and so looking at each, at each student or at each sentient being whether it be an animal, or whether it be a non-physical being or whether it be a human being, he was able to understand completely how it is that they have arrived at this moment when we have not really had that understanding. There are certain things that we do understand. We've gone to school and we understand, for instance, that gravity exists. We understand that if I were to take this piece of paper and drop it, it would always go down while we're living here on the earth it would always go down but if I took this crystal which is much heavier it would also go down but it would go down at a much faster and heavier pace and we understand these laws to be irrefutable we accept these completely we base all of our experience on these laws everything that we do we do with the assumption that this will exist so therefore, we won't take anything that's precious to us and simply let go of it. We won't do that because we know that it will fall. This is something that we accept as a base, basic foundational understanding due to our experience. Yet somehow we manage to engage in our lives and to experience life situations and to, to involve ourselves in life experience in such a way that proves that we have no real understanding of cause and effect relationships. Interestingly, this is the same for people who are just thinking about practicing meditation or just thinking about practicing the Buddhist path. And it's also the same for people who have been practicing the Buddhist path for some time. We all seem to engage in a kind of overwhelming forgetfulness or something like a disbelief or a lack of understanding that cause and effect relationships always engage themselves perfectly. These children that I just spoke to are beginning to understand very interesting things, things that are very difficult for us to understand. For instance, one little boy said that uh, we are sick because of our karma. If we get sick, we are sick because of our karma where clearly his mother told him if you eat your vegetables you won't get sick I myself have said to my children if you eat your vegetables you won't get sick and yet it's important and precious that these children can learn that what they need to do is to purify their karma and especially the karma having to do with either taking life or preserving life that that karma should be completely purified and in that way our forms our bodies will be very healthy as a result of it. We, however, tend to understand phenomena in a very superficial way. Why does that happen to us? And how can we break that habit? It's a very difficult habit to break. First of all, we have to understand exactly where we're coming from. We are part of a materialistic society. In our society, A prevalent idea is to learn exactly what skills will get us what we want and we are given a set of ideals, we are given a set of goals from the time of our birth and they are material goals. Little girls are taught to marry rich. Uh, Only recently have we been taught to uh, achieve anything in our own right little boys are taught that they have to grow up and they have to get a really good job and they have to get a big house and they have to support their family well and we all have ideals associated with getting material goods and it seems very simple the idea being that if you get a good job you will get lots of money and if you train hard for a certain vocation that vocation will bear fruit and that fruit will be money And so we operate on that premise. We're actually, for the most part, and of course this is generally speaking, this may not be the case in your family. For the most part, we are not taught any particular inner cause and effect relationships. We are not taught any particular moral values. I remember clearly getting the message, both from my family and from society in general, that I was only in trouble with something I did illegally if I got caught at it. I remember my parents having great long discussions with tax people and I remember those discussions resulting in their ability to save money by just fudging on the truth a little bit. And I remember uh, that this was not uncommon and that no one thought badly of them. In fact they were kind of heroes if they if they did that kind of thing and that kind of idea pervaded all of our lives and I'm sure you recognize it to some extent within your own that if you take something or want something or manipulate life in order to get something so long as you really don't get caught and it isn't right in your face what's happened so long as no one else knows about it it's kind of okay or at least No one talks about it. We really have very little instruction, we Americans, on the fact that it's important how we think of others. In fact, I know that there are many people in our country, and perhaps in the whole world, I don't know, I can only speak for our country, who have the idea that if you're nice Superficially to other people that is to say if you act very friendly and act very kind that you'll make lots of friends and it doesn't really matter what you're thinking in your heart and haven't you met people that speak very sweetly and very nicely and very politely to you and yet they are transparent enough for you to realize that inside they're thinking I don't really like the way she's dressed I don't really think that she lives very well Or he lives very well. I don't really agree with his or her philosophy. So that there seems to be a double standard. There seems to be an idea that what you display as your behavior is what counts. That's what you'll get caught with. But what you have within your mind, what habitual tendencies you cultivate there, what morality you cultivate within your mind. What you experience as the continuum of your own mind-stream. This you don't have to take any responsibility for. We really have that idea. And so it becomes a difficult thing for us when we as adults look at the Buddhist ideal and the Buddhist path. It seems very hard to cultivate that kind of inward morality, morality to the bone where one's thoughts become important where one has to cultivate real compassion not just acting like a nice person but real compassion where from the depth of one's heart one cares for the welfare of others more than one's own welfare it becomes very difficult for us to adapt the idea or the feeling that We are responsible for engaging in activity, and for engaging in a kind of focus that brings about the end of suffering for others. It is easier for us to think that all we have to do is act like a nice guy, or a nice lady. And so we engage in acting and spend very little time really changing really changing to the heart changing to the depth of our being we simply have not been taught that this is necessary and when we meet with the Buddha's teaching the Buddha requires of us that we actually think of others as being more important than ourselves we are taught that this is the true antidote to suffering that we have to really end self-absorption not simply act nice but really end self-absorption and that that is the very antidote to the terrible sufferings that we endure many students have come to me and they have said "It's simply too hard it sounds like a good idea I wish I could do it but it's simply too hard many American students have come to me with that I don't think however that our young children who are learning this from birth will come to me with that because there is a simple and natural acceptance that this is what makes it not hurt anymore to practice from the depth of our being but I have an answer for that complaint and I hope that we can all listen carefully those of us that are thinking about learning to practice and those of us that are, have been practicing for some time It really isn't that hard to apply the Buddhist teaching. It takes developing a certain discipline, yes. It takes courage. That's probably the most difficult part. The courage to examine one's behavior, not only outwardly where other people can see, but inwardly to the depth of one's heart. The courage to constantly evaluate and reevaluate one's motivation the courage to face that we have not yet been properly motivated that we have really not cared for the welfare of others that we have simply been practicing putting on a costume pretending that we really care about others and acting as though we are nice people that takes a lot of courage I found that when I engaged in that process and I continually engage in that process because I continually need to improve it was a very difficult time. So that part is hard. But the application of the Buddhist teaching, the actual application of those, habit, those habits that are different than self-absorption, those habits that are, in, that are geared toward kindliness, that are geared towards loving kindness, <coughs> that, is a difficult, that, is, that is not so difficult as you would think. In order to understand how not difficult it is, you should understand what (coughs) the situation would be if one does not apply the Buddhist teaching. If one does not apply the Buddhist teaching, one continually revolves in self-absorption. One continually revolves in uh, desire based on the belief in self-nature as being inherently real. One continually tries to satisfy one's desire. One continually acts nice towards others but really thinks that one's own needs are far, excuse me, far more important. And thinking in that way, we continue the very cause and effect relationships that cause us to suffer in this time and in the time to come. And so we engage ourselves in what is truly difficult. What is truly difficult is suffering. What is truly difficult is the endless wandering in cyclic existence that we all experience. The wandering that continues because we simply do not engage in the behavior that brings about the cessation of suffering. Lord Buddha taught us that that suffering pervades all of cyclic existence that all beings are suffering from desire but the good news was that there is in fact and in truth an end to suffering, a cessation of suffering a real and final cessation to suffering and that that cessation of suffering can be brought about by sentient beings such as you and I and it can be brought about by following the path and practicing the path in an exacting way practicing it from the heart and with courage therefore it is up to us since the path is available and practicable by being such as you and I it is up to us to rely on the Buddha's discovery on the Buddha's teaching to take the Buddha's word for it since the Buddha as I said before is able to speak to us from the point of view of enlightenment and has experienced all of cyclic existence having started just like you and I has experienced all of cyclic existence and has experienced the precious awakening as well And from that point of view, was able to tell us, for sure, for certain, there is a cessation to suffering. And here is the path. Now we have a choice. Do we wander endlessly, hoping that eventually, because of luck, we will stumble onto something precious that will help us? How long have we stumbled? According to the Buddha, we have stumbled since time out of mind. Inconceivable time. Aeons and aeons of cyclic existence. And have not yet achieved enlightenment. But somehow, miraculously, through some fortunate behavior in the past, and it must have been very good, we have stumbled upon the path and having the uh, the ability to practice the path we are faced with a choice now that sounds like a teaching just for beginners but believe me when I tell you every proper Buddhist needs to make that choice again and again and again every day because until we achieve a ch- supreme realization until we achieve enlightenment we are never finished with that decision we always tend to want to fall into the pit of thinking of ourselves as being supremely important. We always tend to want to fall into the pit of self-absorption. We always tend to want to fall into the pit of acting in such a way that is contradictory to what the Buddha taught. And that is the point of practice. As Buddhists that have been practicing for some time we shouldn't practice just because that's what Buddhists do and we shouldn't practice by rote or mindlessly thinking well I should just continue because I've already started it and we shouldn't practice because it's simply easy to continue doing what we have been doing for some time <clears throat> every moment that we practice every moment that we think in this way we should connect it back to the original teaching and keep it in our minds until it's sharp like a tack sharp like a knife and cuts through our delusion I am practicing because all sentient beings are suffering. I am practicing because they are suffering from desire. I am practicing because there is a cessation to suffering. And I am applying the antidote, which is the path. Who benefits from that is me and all sentient beings, as I also have the intention to help them. We should practice for that reason, thinking that we are truly applying the true antidote and the only antidote, the only one that works. As Buddhists that have been practicing for a long time, we must continue to think in that way. One of the happiest occasions that I've ever had, really, was uh, one Sunday morning when a visiting Buddhist from another Sangha uh, came to me and said, you know, I've been practicing for 17 years. And sometimes, often, frequently I forget the point I forget to examine myself I forget that these basic truths are the ones that we can never fully comprehend until we have seen the fruit of enlightenment ourselves and I forget that it is my job and my responsibility to break these endless habitual tendencies in order to bring about the cessation of suffering. So this is a very good thing for those of you who are thinking about becoming Buddhists to evaluate and you should evaluate, you should think for yourself whether this seems reasonable but one thing that you should remember and I hope that you will accept this as a thought and and really um, meditate on it and really consider it very carefully As I have said, the Buddha speaks from the point of enlightenment. He understands all cause and effect relationships that have brought us to the present moment. Both the positive ones that have brought us to the point where we can hear the Dharma, and also the negative ones that have brought us to the point where we experience suffering. This mixed bag of tricks, the Buddha fully understands, and understands that these cause and effect relationships are exacting. Then, The Buddha also understands the true nature. The nature that is your inherent nature. Experienced by each of us only in seed form and actually not experienced at all at this point. The nature of which we have had yet no taste. No real experience. Because we are so strongly And compulsively involved in the fixation on the continuum of our experience due to the belief in self-nature as being inherently real due to the fixation on ego that fixation is so strong that we are mesmerized by it just like a snake is mesmerized by the music of a flute you know you've heard that You've seen that kind of thing on on TV or in cartoons, and you've heard stories about um, snake handlers that can mesmerize a snake with the sound of a flute. In that way, we are mesmerized with our own experience, fixated on this continuum. And due to that fixation, we have had no taste of our nature. So we do not speak. When we make decisions, we do not speak based on having understood enlightenment or having understood one's own true nature. And we do not have the omniscience that has brought us a full understanding of all the cause and effect relationships that bring us to this point. Instead, we understand only a minimal uh, degree of cause and effect relationships. These cause and effect relationships that we can understand very easily and that have happened only since the beginning of this incarnation. So to some degree we have to accept something besides what we know and you should think about this logically. Is it reasonable for you to accept something besides what you have seen? This too is very difficult for Americans because we are brought up with the idea that we are individuals and that that is very important and that our degree of education is very important and that What we perceive in our environment, we should simply uh, be very uh, firm about. We should think that this is all there is. We have a great deal of pride in our ability to understand what is around us. It's a kind of egocentric pride that we have. In order to antidote that, you should think for yourself. Isn't it reasonable to assume that one who has achieved enlightenment might know a little more than me? Might have a greater perspective than I do. Might know something that happened before this incarnation. Might really understand cause and effect relationships. Isn't it reasonable to think that that might happen? Another thing you might think about is haven't you already made wrong decisions? How many of you have ever made a wrong decision ever in your life? If your hand isn't raised, I don't know what to say to you. Some of you have two hands raised to put up your feet as well. That's right. Because we have all made wrong decisions. We have all made decisions that we wish we could have done over. And we know could have been more skillful. And of course that's due to the fact that our experience is limited. And that we do not really understand cause and effect relationships. So then it becomes reasonable to assume that we can accept the word of the Buddha. The teaching of the Buddha based on his enlightenment. We can also begin to think about this these we take such pride in our five senses And I have people come through here all the time that say I don't know that there are six realms I don't know that these things exist. I haven't seen them. Therefore. I will not accept them as truth Well, my reply to that is have you seen? People on the other side of the world Have you met all the people in China? Have you seen all of the people in India? Have you seen all of the people in New York City? Have you met them all? Well, then are you stupid enough to think that they're not there? I mean, that's a pretty stupid thing to think. So if you base your life on that premise, you're not the intellectual that you think you are. And I really have had people assume that they cannot accept the Buddhist teaching because they don't know for themselves that it is true. If we only accept the small piece of phenomena that we understand to be real, we would have to live our lives in a very retarded condition, having no real knowledge of anything. So it is reasonable to accept that there is something else. We put so much importance on the five senses, but according to the Buddha's teaching, the five senses are actually extensions of our ego. They are actually exaggerations or extensions of our own ego, of our own belief in self-nature as being inherently real. And according to the Buddha, that basic foundational belief in self-nature as being inherently real is incorrect. It is a delusion. Because of our fixation on self-nature, we continually experience that and only that. And we have never had a taste of our nature. So what if all of these things that we have come to understand, based on the information given to us by the five senses, are in doubt? What if all the conclusions that we have come to, based on the information of the five senses, are in doubt it makes things feel pretty rocky we should think like this and with courage we should evaluate these ideas and then we should think for ourselves is it not reasonable to rely on the perceptual experience of one who has perceived everything who has perceived cause and effect relationships and all relative Assumptions, all relative view and who has understood their nature. And is it not also reasonable to rely on the perception of that one who has understood the true nature free from fixation on ego, free from all desire, free from all delusion. The Buddha has understood nature that nature which is also your nature and has left us with a method by which we too can come to understand that nature left us also with a method by which we can antidote all cause and effect relationships that continue the experience of suffering so These five senses, these very ones that have been our gurus and our guides, we should lay aside temporarily in order to think for ourselves whether this is not true. Now, one other thing that Americans are afraid of, and as a closing thought, I hope that you will think about this. We have a terrible fear of relying on the perception of another. We are taught, what is the old saying, to believe only half of what you see and only some of what you hear. Isn't that the expression? Our very mothers and fathers have taught us that. Thinking that we should, we should really experience something directly, and only when we know it directly and have experienced directly, only then can it become truth to us. How can we, as adults, then move away from that kind of understanding and really think to accept the Buddhist teaching? The difference is, we are not being asked to rely on the words of someone who is as deluded as we are. I would never say to you, rely on the perceptions of someone who has come up with a path within the last 10 years. I would never say to you, rely on the perceptions of someone who thinks they have the answer. I would never say to you, rely on my perceptions. I would never say to you, rely on your own perceptions. But I would ask you to think logically, whether it isn't reasonable to rely on the perceptions of that one, who has achieved realization, and therefore, full omniscience. I myself have no trust for the many things that we find in America. We find so many different kinds of spiritual truths in America. There are many people that have come up with a religion within the last 10 or 20 years. Just got it. Sort of came up with it. Woke up one morning and there it was. And there are others that have come up with religions within the last 50 years. And there are others that have come up with psychology that they feel will lead to enlightenment. Within 10 years, 20 years, 100 years. And if we really examine them, how many who have followed their teachings have achieved real enlightenment. Detectable enlightenment with all the proper signs. How many of their disciples have achieved the rainbow body? How many of their disciples have had miraculous signs at the time of their death? How many of their disciples have brought about the end of suffering for many beings? Until I see them do that, you won't see me practicing their path. At heart, I'm a very practical person. If I'm going to cross the ocean of suffering... I'm going to cross it in a boat with no holes I'm going to be very certain that it has consistently proved, uh, provided the proper result that no one has ever been led astray practicing that path that it has consistently produced enlightenment and the ability to help others to achieve enlightenment these things have to be proven to me and they should be proven to you as well what I have come to understand in my period of examination is that only one who has attained enlightenment can offer a path that leads to enlightenment only what arises from enlightenment can result in enlightenment enlightenment, in the same way that apple seeds can only produce apple trees and this is something that we talk about here again and again and again and it's because here in America there is such a diversity of experience that we can engage in and we can get so utterly lost and even once we have chosen the Buddhist path there is such a diversity of internal experience that we can engage in at any moment we have the opportunity to either follow the Buddhist teaching and apply the antidote or we can get selfish or we can get mad or we can get self absorbed or we can be unkind we ha- we all have that choice at every moment now why have i spoken about all of this today why have i made such a big deal about all of this you know because today is easter this is my easter talk believe it or not do you know what easter means easter is a is a a holiday that is practiced in another religion and in that religion the meaning of Easter is that on this day their Savior rose from the dead and because of that took away all their sins (coughs) there is a basic foundational belief between that and what we practice here The Buddha teaches us that no one is responsible for your enlightenment. No one can hand you enlightenment. No one can make you enlightenment. No one can take away the cause and effect relationships that have brought about your suffering. And some people think that's bad news. But it isn't bad news if you look at it in this way. Now, understanding the Buddha's teaching and practicing accordingly Practicing the direct antidote, you are no longer a victim. You wait for no man, no woman, no God. You are free. Free to practice accordingly. Free to practice in such a way that you and only you are responsible for liberating your mind. You alone will walk through the door of enlightenment. You alone have that power. through relying with faith on the view of one who has crossed the ocean of suffering and who was the same as you you too have that power. How fast you go how slow you go is completely up to you it's no one else's job and no one else's fault you are free and that is the Buddhist Easter message So I hope that you will take it into your heart and practice it sincerely. Practice it not only on Easter, but every day. Because you have the opportunity to practice every day of your life. The availability of the path is always here. Lord Buddha did not say to you, you can only practice on holy days. Lord Buddha said, I have given you the path. Now work out your own salvation. You work it out. So that's the Easter message. The ball is in your court. What will you do? Thank you very much. I hope that you think about this and remember this. If you come here just to be entertained, good for you. But I'm not that entertaining. Every now and then we can have a little bit of funny here. And you might think that's enough for you, but I don't. If you come here and take these teachings to heart and because of them motivate yourself to practice accordingly, then you have not wasted your time, nor mine either. It matters what you do. And that's what you should think about. So thank you very much. This podcast has been a production of Kunzang Payul Choling. For more teachings, meditations, and resources, you can visit our online virtual temple at tara.org. That's T-A-R-A dot